think you were going? Oh, sorry. I gotta get back to Earth before the Stargate closes. Get back in here. Mother, the chevrons are locking. Welcome to the Gatecast. Presented by Alan and Mike. Lucy, I'm home. I am not Lucy. Oh, you're right. We'll just upload a computer virus into the mothership. I was going to do my living room like this. Well, so my recommendation is that anyone attempting to leave the mountain should be shot on sight. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Gatecast, episode 118, covering season 6, episode 9, Allegiance. Good evening, everybody, and thanks for the warning, Alan. What do you think I spoke for so long? <laughs> it was to give you, it was to give you a chance to go, you know, what? <laughs> uh, nice to be back. Are we being gone? Oh, sure up. <laughs> Let me just double check that I have the thingy up. Thingy? What's thingy? Skype call recorder. Ah, right. Hey, I'm over 40. I reserve the right to not remember the words for things. <laughs> Do you have the UK individual volume sets, or did you get them from the States? UK. So you get that really cool opening with the sort of scan round from a map viewpoint of a planet with an aerial map flying about. I'm quite impressed. Well, if they're going to rip you off and make you pay for each individual disc as it comes out, they'll at least put some decent content on. I, mean, I think I paid about $14 a season. Line is Julie. I'm going to resize that window because playing directly from DVD, it's actually filling the entire screen. I need to shrink it so I can see whether we get tweet or not. Yes, Alan's actually watching it from a retail DVD. Yes, yes, uh, yes, uh, yes, that's it. It's a retail DVD. <laughs> straight up. Well, strangely enough, you wouldn't have half the trouble with a, a copy. <laughs> well, season eight should be soft copy. I think I've got all of Atlantis on soft copy, ironically enough, now. It's kind of silly considering the box is sitting there unused. All I do was take shrink wrap off so I could look at it and go, ooh, shiny. I've had trouble with shrink wrap before. You think, I don't need your knife or scissors, I can get this off, no problem. Fingernails, and they're not working, so you dry your teeth and they're not working. My attitude was, as a graphic novel, if I use a knife or a scissor, I'm going to end up cutting the pages on the cover. <laughs> I don't want to damage it when I open it. Beauty of a digital graphic novel. In black and white, no, I'll pass. Why black and white? What's your obsession with black and white? Well, I just have the opinion that, that graphic novels should be in colour, and... Well, why would a digital version of a graphic novel not be in colour? Well, you said digital version, I automatically took the leap and went Kindle. There are many other ways to view a graphic novel than a Kindle. That's true. And the Kindle is probably the last thing I'd use to view a graphic novel, because it's not designed for that. Fair enough. It only does a nice 256 grayscale. Anyway, enough about competing reading devices. So, how has your dining experience been lately? Uh, waitress! Waitress! Uh, what did he order? Uh, oh, he had a special... Uh, that's what I ordered! I changed my order to the soup! Good move. Oh no. Not again. If it's been like that poor fella, then we'd like to suggest the Sci-Fi Diner podcast for great, tasty, and spicy cuisine. Weekly, we offer up top news, interviews, and have great conversations on what's going on in the world of sci-fi. 
Make your reservation today at the sci-fi diner podcast.com. Check, please. Are you sufficiently uh, preambled? Well, I was until I just saw this picture of Jenny Agata. Sure. Well, you know what Jenny Agata was like at times. Indeed. Interesting. Facebook leaves me signed in, but Twitter does not. All right. I click. Don't scroll down, you silly thing. I need a theme where the scroll bar isn't nearly the exact same color as the thing it's scrolling up and down. It's basically white with three very lightly colored gray stripes on a white background. Very thin blacks around. You're staring at the screen. It's actually hard to tell whereabouts it is. There must be plenty of themes around, surely. Find one you like. I use this computer once a week. Ah, right. I'm just like, fucking up with it. Since fixing these is what I do for a living, it irritates me if I have to apply my skills to my home machines. Oh, poor you. (laughs) (laughs) I cancelled me Netflix. Oh, you weren't getting enough joy out of it? Or it wasn't refreshing off enough? Well, I watched 12 episodes of South Park and quite frankly, what's what's the point of paying to watch South Park? I've never actually seen season four of the 4400. Uh, Yeah, I saw your post on Facebook. I think V was strangled at birth, unfortunately. Yeah, it could have been a good show. I mean, do it, uh, they had a serious effects budget. <laughs> no, they didn't. <laughs> didn't they? No, it was. <laughs> you thought it was awful? I thought the green screen was no better than Sanctuary. Considering Sanctuary is a reasonably low-budget cable show, a network show should be two, three times the budget. Maybe some of these executives should attend San Diego Comic Con. Oh, we're comparing it to other shows. You can see the special effects budget is high. They made it on the cheap. It would have been perfect on the Sci-Fi Channel. Sci-Fi wouldn't be happy unless they were wrestling. Well, you've seen Alphas, haven't you? Just the first six, seven... That looks low budget. It looks sort of shaky, Cam. You know, 16 mil. I haven't seen much. I watched the first five or six episodes. Then I got hit by a rush of actually shows I like, and there are about 15 of them, and Alphas got bumped, essentially. It was interesting, but it wasn't interesting enough for me to squeeze time in for it. You might notice a while there, about two or three weeks ago, there was one episode of Born Notice a night, seven nights a week. Yeah. (laughs) Just, yeah, Born Notice. I look at the time and think, I'm up at half seven. It's quarter to twelve now. Do I really want to start watching this? <laughs> I amused you. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing the equivalent of honk, you know. Oh, having grown up for 14 or so years with the same cat, they definitely get moods. This is not turning into the crazy old Catman podcast. It's not for another 20 years or so. In 20 years, you might find me in Sheldon mode. I don't know if you saw that episode of BBT. I know you haven't watched many of them. I've watched... Ten minutes of three. So, all in all, I've probably seen one whole episode over five years. <laughs> Didn't you see the one with Brent Spiner and... Oh, was it? It wasn't DeForest Kelly, was it? It was um, Will Wheaton, I think. Yeah, Will Wheaton and Brent Spiner. I've seen a bit of that one. I've seen a bit of the pilot, and I've seen a bit of the Summer Glow one. Uh, warm in here, it must be summer. <laughs> Everybody keeps saying, yeah, it's brilliant. You know, you love it. Lots of geeky references. Come try ya! Shall we? Yep, me line's ready. Ever three, ever do, ever hain. Feeding on. What is that? An M85? <laughs> Panic. That sounds like Janet. Yes? It is Janet. It fatigues. Yes, it is. I heal the damage! Pressure dressing stack! Airways partially compromised. Corman priority one. Let's move! In fatigues, but not fatigued. Oh, yes. <laughs> Ooh, touchy, touchy. Aye. Don't touch my stuff. Great hey, hey, hey. Mm. Relax, everybody. What's that? We were told we could bring equipment essential to our security. That wasn't the question. 
Open it up. <laughs> Just what you need. Hey, they talk detective. Thank you, Tilk. Yes. <laughs> See, that's all you had to say. Wow. Ah, who needs exposition? How often do we get Teok doing exposition? <laughs> totally uncommon role for him. Who is that? That looked like a child running through. Or a young woman, yeah. There's... Colonel, SG-12 was wiped out in the first wave, sir. Gua Wool knew exactly where to hit. Took us completely by surprise. Where's my father? He insisted on disabling the DHD at the Toker base and ordered us to leave. Ah, oh, Major Pierce. We ain't seen him for a while. Yeah, he's not good. Pity about SG-12. We knew him so well. Or not. Yeah, yeah, basically. Oof. Ow. Yeah, that serves him right. How many times have we seen him run through the gate while they're under fire, then stop? The gate's secure. The chap I soon reactivated. We will have the answer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you, Raytag, for pointing out the glaringly obvious. No one's following us. No one saw the address. You're sure about that? I'm positive. I like Malik in the background, not actually watching the gate, just in case it doesn't activate. Anubis' forces have overrun our position in the Ryza system. We tried dialing the SGC gate, but the gate must have already been active. Jonas and SG-2 were returning from P-36-231 with artifacts they gathered. Jack, I know you wanted to keep the location of the Alpha site top secret, but we had no alternative. We couldn't wait. You dialed the coordinates yourself, right? Yeah, I was careful. Nobody saw. Can you just imagine the costume department getting the uh, brief for this episode? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm sure they're endless. Yay, we get Tokra and we get Jafar and we get Fatigues and... Oh, dear God, where's our budget? <laughs> How many made it? Less than a quarter of our number. Sorry. This is the base of the Tari. Malik, played by Peter Stebbings. You might uh, recognise him from Jeremiah. According to Peter Louise, he played Marcus and he was looking forward to pulling him in the show. See, I did listen to some of the other country. <laughs> He insulted the actor by actually giving him this role, not making him audition, as Gary Jones pointed out. <laughs> Many of these Jaffa had to evacuate their rebel base several months ago. Rebel base. Star Wars pretty much ruined that phrase. Is that going to be a problem? Not for us. Good. What sort of weapon leaves perfect little triangular circular holes there? I'm <laughs> not sure. Perhaps they fell into a gravel bed or something. With triangular rock? Well, gravel is pointy. Yes. Okay then, Allegiance. Our 118th episode, season 6, episode 9. First broadcast, August 9th, 2002. Went into syndication, 17th of November, 2003. Again, I haven't got a clue when it aired on Sky 1, but I'm pretty sure it was before then. Yes. Shares its name with episodes of Casualty, Zed Cars, Legends of Treasure Island, and an episode of TNG. Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> I'm sorry, TNG's almost low point was Tin Man. Nothing wrong with Tin Man. Uh, still one of the worst TNG episodes that also shares a name with the Stargate episode. Well, yeah, by that definition, <laughs> I'll agree with you. See, I wasn't even making tenuous. That's a nice little set, that is. That's not little, that's bloody huge. <laughs> dummies or extras? <laughs> Considering what's about to happen to them, I hope dummies. <laughs> I know extras are cheap, but... The rich reactor, Kirk. We do not surrender, even in death. Takmal, Eric, Tiak, 
You will not be forgotten. Yeah, this is how they sort out the union problem. <laughs> Peter Stepping's name popped up when yeah. he was actually standing on screen. And this is pointed out in the commentary by vaporising the dead that make sure that no Tok'ra can be retaken by system lords and brought back to life and interrogated. Why don't they bring them back to life themselves? They don't have any sarcophaguses. They could get one. And they know what it does to them, so they don't use them. Family at a funeral. What the hell is going on here? This is a funeral for crying out loud. I asked a question of this Tokra. Tokra? <laughs> and why not? For this, you guys are fighting? I'm sure he's sorry. I am not. Yeah, on the inside. Oh, dear. <laughs> it does not matter. Come on, a lot of people lost their lives. Show a little respect. Oka, played by Kamani Ray Smith, been in Fringe, a BSG. By profession, he's a stuntman. That's him on the right. And the uh, Scandinavian Viking-looking dude, Artok, played by Link Baker. Now, he's very active. 90210, Castle, CSI Miami, Jericho, Harry's Law. Neat. Yeah, busy. There's no need to apologize on our behalf, Colonel. Apologize? We understand that you fall. Actually, I was going to remind you that without... Braytac and Teal'c and other Jaffa. All your little Tok'ra folks would be pushing up daisies right now. And I need not remind you that the rebel Jaffa and the Tauri are equally indebted to us. How so? Exactly, Teal'c. We've been fighting the Goa Uld for a millennia. Yeah, just when should we expect some progress on that? <laughs> it's been a bad day. Let's move on. Spryerson said, indifference for the episode forced me to retweet. <laughs> Bless her. Hey, it's fan interaction. Yes, one fan interacts. <laughs> it's better than a pokey eye with a blunt stick. Several of the Tok'ra have expressed concern about the temporary quarters they've been assigned. Explain to them the meaning of the word temporary. If they don't like it, they can leave. You really want me to tell them that? Yes. No. Yes, this is another Tok'ra realising that dealing with the Tauri and Jack O'Neill in particular is hard going. That looks like Tai Bo. No, it's that Kepoeta that they used in the episode with the warrior. In fact, these are the same extras from that episode. They're actually fortunate to get probably not every extra they had in Warrior, but most of them, because they're all based in Vancouver. And they're all in the same combat school. So he just knocked the door and said, Here's money. Would you like to come back? Yes, <laughs> I suppose. It'd be interesting to compare the episodes, see if you can actually spot the same people. Because this is uh, the remnants of that Jaffa army. Why do you guys have to be so dang... Arrogant? You're okay. It's complicated, symbiote and host. The blending of two personalities does sometimes have its drawbacks. Tell me about it. Why is Jack doing a Dr. Horrible impression? The glasses. They look less like sunglasses and more like welding goggles. <laughs> But if you hadn't had a symbiote implanted... Ah, please don't use that term, huh? If you hadn't been blended with Kanan, you'd be dead right now. <laughs> uh, Jack's really not happy about that. <laughs> Kanan broke one of our highest laws. He used you. 
I can tell you that even Selmak was sickened by it, and there's no way he could have hidden those feelings from me. <laughs> Make you feel better, Jack? No? <laughs> did think so. Well, to be fair, he didn't have a very good time, did he? I mean, compared to Jacob, Jacob's had a pretty good life these last few years. It's a shame a true blending never really occurred. You might be able to understand the Toker a little better. Oh, I think I understand him just fine. You don't like us much anymore, do you? I like you. <laughs> One out of I an entire race. <laughs> Most of the Tok'ra hosts come from worlds conquered by the gold. Born into a feudal system where their only choices were forced labor or death. So it's the host's fault. It's history. For 2,000 years, every time a Tok'ra died at the end of a staff weapon, a Jaffa was holding it. We just got our asses kicked by an army of Jaffa loyal to Anubis. You think that helps? No. There's talk among the Toker ranks that the end is closer than we think. And I don't mean the end of the gold. I mean the end of us. All of us. A lot of exposition here. Surprising, isn't it, really? It's one-to-one between Jack and Jacob. Well, considering this is pitched as an action episode... Again, this was something Peter DeLuise in the commentary did cover. You're on about how much exposition and actually repeat, repeating stuff that's happened in previous episodes is used and is necessary for casual viewers. Casual viewers. I take the B5 approach, you know, you don't watch it from the start, you're not going to understand it. If you're coming in halfway through, go buy the DVDs. Yeah, that's not how a network's going to look at it, though, is it? <laughs> yeah, I, I just need to win the American lottery so I can fund a remake of Crusade. Okay, this scene was done in the pouring rain and the building had a tin roof. Ooh, they had to reloop the sound? They had to redo all the audio for it. Sir, no one would have noticed it if they didn't know what to look for. The reactor would have overloaded. Any chance this was an accident? Not a chance. Would not an explosion caused by such an overload destroy an area several miles in circumference? Yeah, it would. Who knows about this? Except for the guards I posted, just us. How long would it have taken for this overload to result in explosion? An hour, maybe less. Fortunately, they discovered that the uh, reactor had been sabotaged. Pierce. O'Neill. No one goes within 20 yards of the gate till I get there. Yes, sir. What are you considering, O'Neill? Well, if you'd rigged a reactor to blow, wouldn't you want to get off world before it blew? Indeed. How many people in this base would know how to sabotage a Naquita reactor, a human piece of technology? Most of the Tok'ra. Why? It's not their design. Yeah, but they're meant to be bright. There's bright and then there's bright. Oh, Jonas. Yeah, why is Jonas at home in blue? Yes, we're having second thoughts about Jonas. He's only going to be in this episode for 30 seconds. <laughs> Let's see how it goes. So is Hammond. Well, Hammond's used to it. Understood, Colonel. I'll have SG-3 standing by just in case. We'll report back in 24 hours. Kneel out. And Gary Jones in the commentary, he was saying, that's where he should have been. <laughs> what has happened? Yeah, looks like we're going to be stuck here for a while. It is imperative that we be allowed to seek another location for our base. Yeah, you might want to put that on hold. We have a situation. There's a saboteur among us. Our Naquita reactor almost went critical this morning. I discovered it just in time. And if you hadn't? We wouldn't be having this chat. I see. See, this planet was chosen as our alpha site because its address is unknown to the Gua'uld. And it is imperative that this base remain secret. We will be questioning everybody. Of course. 
starting with Toka. Let's see who wants to leave and guess who'd want to stay around if a reactor's going to blow up. And the first ones are longer are Toka. And miserable sod there. Cheer up. Everything was fine until you showed up. Yes, Marcus, cheer up. No, nothing wrong with Marcus. This is mate, Toka. It'd only take one. So, Mark? Oh, now that's nasty. Jack throwing the word imperative back in uh, Nemec's face. <laughs> oh, dear. Everything Jack's saying is right. It just doesn't kind of rub him up the right way, does it? And they have had traitors in the midst before. Yeah, is Tanith going to get a mention here? <laughs> Whether we are dealing with a Zaytark or not. Yes, let's use this totally foolproof piece of technology. You can see the background at the moment. That's a fake picture. They're supposed to be in the quarry. Splatterson actually replied. Oh, really? Yeah. How many tweets were indifferent? <laughs> exactly how Anubis was able to defeat our defense system remains a mystery. I think we're spoiled by Jacob. You know, the Tok'ra are pretty much okay. elitist and stuck up a bit. Well, they are Gould. Well, no, they're not Gould. Well, what they call themselves, they're the same species. I think the arrogance is built in. They live for hundreds of years, so they're always going to look down on life forms that don't. Oh, yes. The Terry Mayfly existence. What's well, sort of the Jaffa? And now, is it by magic? I shot off the quarry. Hmm. Nope. <laughs> oh, the boys are at it again. Where's the guy in the cloak with the weird skin? What, is he off camera now? Yep. Tilk, the peacemaker. <laughs> Little bow. But the problem with Tilk is it's not so much peace as peace is. They'd make you look like kiddies. This is actually the first time Braytak and Jacob have been on screen together. Mm-hmm. Actually, on screen together, though. She's saying the screening's not going to do any good. I had hoped it would not come to that. Look, if the Jaffa won't submit to the screening after the Toker already have, we're just asking for trouble. The very purpose of this device questions one's honor. Or you could say confirms one's honor. It is also of Tokra design. Oh, come on. I have learned much in my 137 years. Can you look me in the eye and tell me you trust the Tokra entirely? Especially not. Yeah, dear. No, not entirely, but enough to allow myself to be screened along with everybody else. I will convince the Jaffa to submit. You have my word. Perhaps once the Tok'ra see how big Jaffa hearts can be, they will finally look upon us as equals. Oh dear. That just looks a bit suspicious after he's had a little run-in. Well, more than mm. one run-in. <laughs> he's dead, Jim. Mm. You did it. We all seed you. We're all one big happy family here. <laughs> Yeah, arguing, infighting. Sounds like an old family to me. You killed Ocker. I would have, if he challenged me again. Are you not responsible for this? I only wish I was. Answer him directly. I will not explain myself to him. Then explain it to me. That's my text message you learned. It's more subtle than the last one, isn't it? <laughs> Please. I was across the compound. I insist that he be screened immediately. Braytak, Jafar Whisperer. <laughs> Either that or they know what Braytak's like when he puts his head in. <laughs> Carter, I want you in there. Yes, sir. I need to know the cause of death. I'll get on it, sir. You both know this, but I'm going to say it out loud anyway. I need every bit of influence you two have, or this whole thing's going to blow up. <laughs> 
I was alone outside the compound, eating my ration in private. Was that what you're doing? Do you know who killed Ocker? No. Did you kill him? No, I did not kill him. Oh, there you go. There's the contradiction. Oh, dear. He can't answer those two questions, one truthfully and one lying. It doesn't make sense, that doesn't. Holding cell. Yes, sir. Master Braytak, I did not kill him. Go with him. Be honest, you have feelings for Sam. It's normally white and throws the machine off. Why do you have feelings for Sam? He's probably gay. We don't see many gay Tokra, do we? <laughs> don't really know how to answer that. Perhaps Martooth was the exception. Deception. <laughs> <laughs> He's guilty. All we know is that he's lying about something. What more proof do you need? This device is not infallible. It can give false positives. We've seen it before. A short while ago, you were all willing to stake the security of the base on it. Artok's obvious hostility towards the Toker could be throwing off the readings. His hostility is the reason Alker is dead. What if we verify his alibi? Colonel's right. Maybe someone saw him where he said he was. Both Tokra and Jaffa deliberately ate apart from each other. I will not accept the word of a Jaffa in his defense. <laughs> so, why don't we see what the autopsy says? Why? Because we don't convict people just because some damn light turns red. Peter DeLuise actually uh, referred to the flanging of Peter's voice as having an oboe up the bum. <laughs> some sort of woodwind instrument. <laughs> I see. Not a bassoon, then. That's rather a large woodwind instrument. I just like the word bassoon. Do you? Right, fair enough. Many Tok'ra have died in recent days. To lose another of our number in a place that we had thought was refuge. It is difficult. I'm sure it is. Ooh, nice. There is some bruising around the right side of his mouth, which could be a sign that the killer prevented him from calling out by covering his mouth with his left hand from behind. Yes, that's a knowing look, isn't it? It was done with a bladed weapon of fairly exotic design. Blade was used to sever the spinal column of the host between the first and second cervical vertebrae, while simultaneously severing the spinal column of the symbiote between the 33rd and 34th precloacal vertebrae. Death would have been instantaneous. <laughs> Precloacal. Whoa. <laughs> Making a speech from long, complicated words this episode. <laughs> now, whoever does the casting, please, cast somebody a little shorter, just for Janet's sake. <laughs> Vengeance is exacted face to face, not from behind. Face to face, Jafar may not survive. It is most likely a Tok'ra or Goa'uld who has committed this act. I disagree. Now what? <laughs> that, I believe, is Herbert Duncanson. Oh. <laughs> well. Obviously, suicide. <laughs> he hung himself and then cut himself down. <laughs> oh dear. Another thing Peter actually commented on hmm? when they moved to the sci fi channel and they had ad breaks, when they came back from the ad breaks, they could always cut to this sort of scene. Mm -hmm. And in this episode, they came back from two ad breaks and both times there was a dead body. Hmm. Peter thought, as the writer, you know, we're getting a bit carried away. <laughs> but the only similar thing is that it was done by a bladed weapon. Same one? Could be. I won't know for sure until I inspect the trauma to the internal organs. Was the door locked when you found him, Sergeant? Yes, sir. Did you hear anything? No, sir. Well, it's pretty unlikely that someone defeated the lock on the cell door, stabbed him without a fight, and then relocked the door as they left. 
What if they attacked through the bars and the force of the blow pushed him back to where he is now? It was a final attack, so why are there no defensive wounds? He'd have to be standing in front of the bars. A Jafar would never expose himself to such a vulnerable position. Unless he knew his killer and did not fear him. And it's odd, now he mentions how episodes are set up, even when they're on showtime, you know. Mm-hmm. If they wanted to come back to a body on showtime, they actually had to put a scene in the middle to allow you that cutback, whereas this is a natural ad break. Mm. Uh, this is going to... Yes. Tokra on one side, Jafar on the other. Only yesterday he helped to carry your wounded, and then you killed him. Now is not the time, brother. You know the truth, Teal. I do not. But Tokra did not kill him. I'm pretty sure Ragnar gets bigger every time he comes on this series. <laughs> he seems taller than Teal there. He does. Dinari is. Ragnar, played by O.B. Defo, Battlestar, Dawson's Creek, West Wing. He was defenseless! Malik! Good. Somebody want to tell me what's going on here? Interesting point. The Tok'ra have Zat guns, which are at least non-lethal. Unless, <laughs> you know, insist. Oh, sorry, I hit the button twice by accident. They've got Zat guns that actually aren't armed because hmm. the props department doesn't have enough Zat guns that actually activate. <laughs> Should we go check this out? Let these folks talk among themselves. This was referred to as the lane of death. <laughs> yeah. You expect somebody to run down the middle on the you birthday. You do, don't you? Yeah. And everyone <laughs> fires and everyone else dies. <laughs> That's a heavy footprint. It is, isn't it? Yeah. Whoever that is, is not a little bloke. Very few little blokes in this set at the moment. Hmm. Well, Raytag. The footprints. Jafar or Tokra. They could be either one. All right, let's do a head count. They're making deactivating zap noises even if they don't actually collapse down. <laughs> That's a huge set, really, isn't it? To be honest with you, it looked, for the initial position of that shot, looked like he was walking past the model. <laughs> I expect it was accidentally trip out one of the buildings. This uh, episode was shot in Greater Vancouver Regional District. This is a location they use a lot in the show. Yes, I heard Peter saying at the start. I had to look up GVRD, because I didn't know that was referring to. We will search in groups of three. Atokra, Jafar, and Tauri in each. This thing was trying to turn us against each other. The fact that we're onto him makes him more dangerous. Keep that in mind. Let's move out. Another little camera trick here. They've got 40 extras. 40 extras in the front of the camera. And when the camera turns around, the same 40 extras behind the camera. (laughs) You look at a shot like this, it looks simple, but you imagine a hell of a lot of work had to go into it to get everybody moving in the right places at the right time. Indeed. I mean, obviously, they use these locations a lot, so they've probably got... Well, I assume this is a steady cam job, not tracked. Doesn't look like Vancouver, to be honest. That looks more like American South, the Moss. You know, watching this now and even hearing some of the music, there's definite shades of Predator about it. Even looks apart. Oh dear. <laughs> oh dear indeed. <laughs> One of each. How democratic. They killed each other, didn't they? Come on, admit it. All we need now is about five minutes of the Sergio Leone soundtrack. O'Neill. Go ahead, Teal. We have located Captain Grusler's team. They are dead. 
Thank you, Duke. <laughs> yeah, we'd guess that. The only thing that was missing was buzzing flies around the body, you know, the odd vulture. Any tracks? Each team member appears to have been killed separately and dragged to this location. Okay, what's your position? East of the creek near the base of the North Cliff. Stand by. Got something here. <laughs> now, somehow, I don't think somebody who's killed a Jafar Atokra and a SGC member is going to be rattling the bush. Mm. Carter, hook up with Teal, get his position. Secure the area. Yes, sir. Sam's hair needs more body. Or is it raining? Probably rain. This is Ken. Yeah. And if he did that, I'd look at him and th <laughs> throw my palm upside down. And say, what? That was a token of Jack gestures. Yeah, this is the first time he's met him. Not as if he's been on a mission with him before. Yeah, not exactly stealthy, is it? Mm. There's only two of them. Got Gully so spooked. There's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. Above yet. And Braytax knows something is wrong. Feel free to fire. It's a stun weapon, as Alan's already mentioned once. <laughs> now, most of this action is Tony Amendola, obviously, because you can see his face, but a couple of the harder hits are such as that one. Yeah. Well, that was obviously a stunt, dude. Oh, yeah, done by Bam Bam, who later went on to work in Stargate Atlantis. He was afraid. He does. The leader of the Toker, you wouldn't know how active he is, or does he just sit in the council and give orders? Whee! <laughs> Whee! <laughs> Now, what's up with him? Why didn't he fire? Is he going to be accused of shooting that spray tank? Yeah, I suppose there is that. Till could just walk around the corner as he shot him. What happened? I could not defend against it. I had no choice. Where's spray tank? He is dead. Well, when you last saw him, he was alive. And... Um. You know, like Richard's thinking, you know, strange, I'm sure he was contracted for at least another four episodes in this season. <laughs> Tilk, let him go. Let him go, Tilk. Tell me why I should not kill you here, Tokra. He was swept away. There was nothing I could have done. You could have pursued him. <laughs> at least he's getting enough air so he can talk. To report what I saw. How can we ever trust the Tokra if they would abandon a Jafar in the midst of a battle? If I had not, I would be dead. Jack, a little help. Teal, stop. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jack really cares, doesn't he? With passion, Jack, passion. Tilk, don't do this. Braytac would want us to stick together. Not only that, if you kill the leader of the Toker, it will be all at war. <laughs> That's probably one of the longest strangulations on TV. Yeah, possibly. Does he ever speak as the host? Braytac pushed me out of the way just before the attack. Somehow he knew. Whoever it was had a personal cloaking device. 
He was invisible. That last sentence actually did sound fully flanged. It's like they only have him uh, <laughs> a quarter flange or something. Nirti possesses stealth technology. She could have come through the gate with the Tok'ra undetected. But that would explain why there were no defensive wounds and how Anubis was able to defeat the defenses of the Tok'ra base. An invisible spy could operate with impunity. That woman continues to get on my nerves. Thank you for explaining the obvious, Amanda. Need convincing, though. <laughs> well, whoever it is, we're dealing with an enemy we can't see. Yeah, sooner or later. Jack, what are you looking at? Amanda's ass, from the looks of it. It did, didn't it? His eyeline seems to be on Amanda's butt. <laughs> Probably wondering how long it'll take to get all that clothing off. <laughs> He's glazing over now, it's technical talk. That might just excite the phase particles enough to bring them into our visible light spectrum. Carter. Sir, the invisibility field must operate... Are you about a... to tell me that you can make the invisible guy... <laughs> yes, sir. That's all I need. You can imagine Malak thinking, this is the leader of SG-1. <laughs> right. I will assist you. Yeah, worth noting that uh, Richard D. Anderson was still recovering from even more knee surgery during the filming of this episode. Ouch. Teok looked unhappy, even for Teok. Molly was really enjoying throttling the guy. Teok, hands-on interrogation technique. Okay, see if you spot the extras in the behind and in front of the camera view. We need to bring the reactor out in the open. Do it. I want everybody else guarding the gate. All right, listen up. Yes, and we're looking for an invisible alien, so look around and see if you can see one. Mm. Our enemy has a device that can render himself or herself invisible. He or she may have come through the gate with the wounded Tok'ra. Whatever it is, it tried to play us against each other. And that's not going to work anymore because now we know it is among us. That weird person, the short person with the cloak there behind. You can see the white cloak with the hood drawn up. Greytack is gone. His death will have been in vain unless we trust each other. It's him. Get him. And work together to defeat this enemy. <laughs> get him, lads. Get him. <laughs> oh, yes. We can't see his face. He must be invisible. Do what you have to do, but that son of a bitch does not get through that gate. Yes, sir. If this creature's allowed to leave, this base will have to be abandoned. Yeah, I know. Hey, tall guy, go to the back. <laughs> he does look tall, doesn't he? Christ. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> okay, I'll never ever get used to having the remote control mouth like that and walking beside it with the remote control. <laughs> Why don't they just put a seat on it and be done with it? Checks out. Same bladed weapon killed both of them, probably the others too. Single thrust, up through the symbiote, continuing up, piercing the Jaffa's heart. He was dead before he hit the ground. Nerdy's been working out. Not Nuti. An Ashrak. A highly trained Gaul assassin of great strength and power, most likely in the service of Anubis. Wasn't it an Ashrak who was able to penetrate SGC security and tried to kill Major Carter? Indeed. Indeed. Well, until. Ah, yes, we've met one of them before. Oh, yes, the one that killed Amanda. While in the service of Apophis, many Jaffa were killed in the manner Dr. Fraser has described while working in the Nakwada mines of Cowan. Apophis ordered the mine sealed, and when the tunnels were opened days later, a single Ashrak was found. Only one had killed so many. Well, if he's that powerful, then why didn't he just go on a killing spree? Divide and conquer. Let's face it, the people serving Anubis now are doing a lot of things the old uh, Jaffa weren't capable of doing. Mm-hmm. 
you know, it's hard work killing all these people. Just kill one or two and let them get on with it. Mm. Sit back, have a cup of tea and watch the fun. Do you feel this domesticus amongst the pigeons? Yes. <laughs> They'll take a couple of seconds to work out. The waiting's the hardest bit. Anticipation's always a killer. A nice 360 shot, as Peter DeLuise says. You can't even see the... I think I can see the, kind of see the camera track around the edge there. No, that's steady cam. Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> this thing's way about 85 pounds. Oh, that's why you have experts doing it. Jim Van Dyke is a steady cam operator. Young man's job. Probably. But once you've invested in that sort of camera, you're going to say, I'm not going to retire. Still got payments on it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Ryder? Are we there yet? Almost, sir. The reactor wasn't designed for a sustained output at this frequency range. Is that an M85? The I don't specially know. shielded that one? I have no idea. I'm not sure I'd really want a heavy weapons guy then. You've got to be light on your toes as well, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, throw yourself about. Yeah, pretend it's Star Trek. <laughs> they actually rehearse this. Oof. Oh, oh, for Christ's sake! That's why you don't use weapons. <laughs> now they rehearse this with an actual stunt man. And then filmed it with you know with the stuntman not playing his part to make it look realistic. Medics, we've got wounded out here. Go to work. You okay? Girl, I'm sorry, sir. Somehow it got my GDO during the firefight. What? It was moving in and around us, sir. At least one casualty was hit by friendly fire. All right. Just one. That's remarkable. Perimeter around the gate. I'd like to take a team after it, sir. Negative. That's what it wants. You hold that gate. Make sure everyone has a clear line of fire. Go. Yes, sir. Look at that. Pierce finally gets himself cleaned up, then gets beat up again. It took a GDO. Nobody's going anywhere. Colonel, you saw what he was capable of? Yes, I did. That's why I want all available personnel guarding that gate. That includes Tokra and Jaffa. Colonel... Go help, Carter! I'm not sure about the tactics of opening fire on anything that could be there when people are surrounding you. Mm. Why not just disable the DHD? Don't matter if he's got a GDO then, does it? No, but if you disable it, I'm sure he could re-enable it. Why doesn't he disable the DHD? Well, because he wants to get out. What the hell is that? What? That. Oh, the device. No, the feckin' weapon he just clipped to the side of it. Oh, the big gun. Yes, the big gun. The big gun. I'm sure it says what the gun is somewhere. Peter didn't? I didn't get this far, I only got about eight. Peter didn't, no. It could be the M249 squad automatic weapon. Belt-fed light machine gun. Yeah, that'll be it. Malik, how close are we? 200 nanometers. It's still ultraviolet. We need to reach at least 400 to be in visual range. If we all perish, there'll be no one left to carry on the fight. The Jaffa will fight side by side with the Tok'ra. And if need be, die side by side. Malik, what's that read? 420 nanometers. Sir, we're there. Powering up 50%. Anybody else feel that? Tingling sensations caused by the energy field. It's not causing any physical damage, so there's nothing to worry about, sir. Oh, I like it. It's good. Ooh, ooh. I like that. <laughs> Sam's feeling tingly. <laughs> Success. <laughs> yeah, Jack's really liking it. 
Can you make that into a portable device and I'll take it down with you? Brace yourself, Jack. Feel free to shoot it, guys. Feel free. Hold your positions! Oh, well done. Start shooting after he disappears. Carter, we still in business? Sir, I just need to bring it back online. Aren't there any tracks? Look at the ground. See if he's leaving footprints like, like they do in cartoons. Wessel's gas! Jackson decided to go for the O'Neill method of... Oh, look at that. Braytech could sense him. Can tilk. Well, didn't Braytech do the Jedi blindfold training? Yeah, pretty similar. Too late. I hope nobody was standing behind Tilk. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> da, 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 da. Record! Everybody down! <laughs> yeah, Tilk. <laughs> <laughs> Now, this was shot by the Steadicam, and you've seen the extra little behind the scenes, didn't you? Yeah. This Steadicam guy dressed head to toe in Kevlar, mm. just in case one of these blanks actually did a bit of damage. Now, is Jack's gun's empty now? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. It's... We can see you. Gotta pull his knife out. <laughs> Who shouldn't? They always get the pause in the dramatic gesture. He's <laughs> exploding. Of course, yes. And the Ashrak was played by Dan Payne. Oh, we've seen Dan before. Yes, been in SGA and SG1. Master Braytech! Well-known stunt performer, basically because of his physique. Presumably, that's why he had the helmet on fully. Probably. You know, so we didn't recognise him. <laughs> well, Peter were complaining the helmet looks a bit cartoonish. Here, stand down, we got him. And also by putting a helmet on, the first question is asked, who's underneath the helmet? <laughs> You'd have thought a trained assassin wouldn't leave anybody for dead. They'd make sure they were dead. Mm. Great timing, though, Braytac. Yes. You've still got it. I'm very lucky to be alive. Indeed. <laughs> this Ashrak left me for dead. I was unable to move. And do not know how long I was unconscious. My symbiote sustained me. And I returned as soon as I could. Not bad. I owe you my life twice over. Mm. <laughs> friends. Are we friends? I only hope that one day I'm given the chance to repay that debt. Forgive me. Yes, that looked really like a common toker gesture. Right. He's seen people shake hands, and this is how they do it. Well, that's not quite how you shake hands. No, Jaffa comrade. Now we get Braytac speechifying. Speechifying. Look, look at the ground, all the water. Surely you'd have heard him walking about in all that mm. mud. Squelch, squelch, squelch. They were designed to kill a symbiote and a toker in one fell swoop. Obviously, alien metal, so... <laughs> this single blade did what we could not. 
It has brought us together. This blade has spilled the blood of Jafar, of the Tok'ra, and of the Tari. That looks too wide and too thin yeah. to be effective as a blade. By the hand of our common enemy, it has made us brothers. Oh, dramatic. Together, we have ensured it will never spill our blood again. Metal doesn't look heavy enough. Looks like it'd bend on even the lightest of armor. That certainly wouldn't be any good for it's balanced, all right. Quite sure why the decoration. Maybe it projects an energy field. Maybe. And Peter DeLuise was surprised at that because when he shot it, there were no feet in it. What? The feet were not in the original footage. <laughs> Where'd they come from? <laughs> in post, they added them. And even he was surprised. <laughs> that was Allegiance. Indeed. It was a better episode than I remembered. A lot more enjoyable. A lot of questions that are not actually asked, because some of the plot holes in it were a bit glaring, but enjoyable. Yeah, crappy knife. Sorry, I know knives. For reasons I'm not going to quit. <laughs> <laughs> a good cast, though. This episode had a really, really good cast. Mm-hmm. All in one big mix, and it worked. It's nice to see Janet off-world. Yes. Feel sorry for Jonas. I'm just making a cameo appearance in this episode. But I suppose he really wasn't needed. Maybe he had other commitments. He just wasn't really needed, was he? I mean, what could he uh, have brought? Because the Tok'ra were bringing their expertise into designing the jamming field. Mm-hmm. So they didn't need him for the technology side of it. Well, you know, it's jam. Jam is a kind of food. Curran would be interested. <laughs> I was going to go with marmalade there, but I stuck with jam. Yeah, wise. I can't stand marmalade. You can't stand marmalade? Nope. Never Any the way. Marmalade. Anyone would put something sweet on toast. It beggars belief. Toast should be a savoury experience. Well, I've been raised to put marmalade on toast. You know, I don't really follow the reasoning, but... It's an Irish-UK thing. I, I, I think a lot of other nations lump us all in together, and we're a lot more different than people realise. <laughs> As shown by the toast on jam, yay or nay. <laughs> Maybe we should do a poll on the site. Yeah, that could be. <laughs> what do you like on your toast? <laughs> and if somebody puts marmite. <laughs> Vegemite or something. I enjoyed that little six-minute documentary on this show, though. Oh, yeah, you watched it, did you? The little one, yes, and I started to watch the audio commentary, if that's not a contradiction in terms. <laughs> yeah. I might have been missing a preposition. I started to watch with the audio commentary active. But on into it. Gary Jones was on the commentary, but he wasn't in the episode. <laughs> he hadn't. Peter seems to sort of take over slightly. Oh, there's no stopping him. They did say, there was a comment on the um, visual effect, the opening sequence, which was the first time they'd seen it and spoken about it. Yeah, and first time they'd actually spoken about it. The guy who did it said, well, no, I didn't like the other one, but I didn't want to say I didn't like the other one because I figure I'd been asked to do this one. <laughs> Come try ya! Next week we have... Oh, I've clicked on 608 rather than 610. Let me hit stop. Next week we have Cure. SG-1 visits Pangar, a planet inhabited by humans who have developed a drug that makes their immune systems perfect. Not to SG-1, the means by which the drug is produced, a startling discovery that may hold the key to the origins of the Tok'ra! Exclamation <laughs> mark. Unfortunately, I do remember this episode. I do remember not liking it. But we'll see. I've been surprised before. I started reading the transcript. Uh, which I might watch the little uh, thingy for. If there is a little thingy. If you want to leave us feedback on these episodes, and thank you, Splatterson, for in-episode recording tweets, even if they were a tad ironic, the methods by which you can contact us will be here. The Gatecast website can be found at gatecast.facecast.com and has its own feedback and contact form. 
Links to episodes not on the current RSS feed can be found there as well. Our Facebook and Google Plus groups are listed under The Gatecast, and our Twitter feed goes by The Gatecast, which is one word. We are also listed on the Blueberry service as The Gatecast, one word, and Cast Roller as The Gatecast. You can also be found on iTunes, and that's one portal where any comments and reviews would be most welcome. Finally, our email address is gatecastpodcast at gmail.com, and even with today's social media network deluge, it's still the most basic and reliable method of contacting us. If you want to be a bit more adventurous than recording an audio file, MP3 preferable, but it doesn't really matter, and email it to us. It's a great way to interact with us and the rest of the listeners. It also helps when we hear how to pronounce somebody's name. So feel free to send us feedback and any other type of comment about the Stargate franchise, or our own small part of this fandom. Links and pictures are all part of the love of SG-1, SGA and Universe. Retweets, shares and plus ones are always appreciated. Just say the word. Open the iris. Feedback on episode 117, The Other Guys, Miles McLaughlin. I really liked this episode. This one gave a chance to be lightened to A, light and silly. Now, I auto-corrected. Did you? I assumed he meant to be light and silly, but he's actually written to A, light and silly. I heard yeah. an interview. John Billingsley really liked Stargate you and regretted not being in another episode's. I replied, the show really does know how to have fun, and from everything that has been said, that goes on behind the cameras, making guest actors feel welcome. Luke Tullett said, I love track references in this episode. Yeah, they lay them on nice and thick, and I've always said if a show is set now, then they would reference pop culture like Trek. Daniel Waller says, just got caught up, iPod on the fritz. The last three episodes are great, just like all of them. Remember guys, your numbers may dwindle, but those of us who stay are rabid. Also, Alan... We have an hour from Atlanta, so he'd love to see you. Be sure to visit CDC while there. I don't want to visit the CDC. My last shot of it was at end season one of The Walking Dead. Yes, very much so. Again. Uh, <laughs> I say that's why I reply, you know, do you think they would let him out again? Daniel says, true. Something about sharing the Irish madness with every willing female. Uh, trust me, Daniel. I haven't found that many willing females in the last 40 years. I'm not anticipating my luck is going to get any better. <laughs> We've got a little feedback, both from our website and from Facebook, in regards to Michael Shank's new show, Saving Hope. On the Facebook page, Miles posted, Looks good. Not sure I have enough time for one more TV show. I may at least watch the pilot. And I replied, What's one more? Daniel posted, This looks like it will fit Michael. I always see Daniel in his other roles. This just might work. On the Gatecast website... Chris posted, I love this. I'm so hoping that it does go for another season as well. I replied to that, yes, a nice blend of genre and drama. Should be interesting, and as always, great to see one of the cast get a new show, and not just as a guest star. A big thank you to all those that have tweeted to us, or retweeted one of uh, our posts. And welcome to all the new followers we have as well. That's equally as pleasing. That's all the feedback for this week then. On the next Stargate SG-1 Your knowledge could give us a tactical advantage There is no tactical advantage when you're dealing with Gould A routine mission spirals out of control You may lose thousands, our kind will become extinct And two races struggle for domination What you are asking of us would amount to a holocaust The survival of one will wipe out the other You're raising Goulds, when were you going to tell us that? Now, to save them both They're demanding the immediate release of their queen SG-1 will face a mortal enemy Identify yourselves! Richard Anderson stars. Deal! On the next Stargate SG-1. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. As always, any and all feedback is appreciated. But it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him.
Take care, everybody. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Do you think anyone outside the probably five listeners who got the UK Echo or over 35 actually gets that? Probably not, no. <laughs> You've been listening to Gatecast, presented by Alan, Mike and Scott. Visit us at gatecast.facecast.com.